When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you afraid to confront your parents? Are you living their life and not your own? Welcome to the Heal the Herd podcast. I'm here with Vanessa Jane Patrick, who, as you will discover, has confronted this difficult dilemma herself and has parlayed that difficult life experience into becoming an expert in helping others do the same. She also helps people find their true passion as a personality profiler, which I really want to learn more about, an international speaker, group trainer, and transformational coach. Through her Limitless Potential Academy, she empowers individuals and teams to discover not just who they are, but for them to have the courage to live authentically and to meaningfully contribute to society, life, and the world. And before we get started, this is always a touchy subject when we bring up parents, especially in society. Um, we all are very protective of our parents, as we should be. And, and so I want to get this disclaimer out of the way. This isn't to shame parents or to call them bad um, or do anything of that nature. Our parents, it, it's been my life experience that even the severely abusive parents absolutely adore their children adore them and do anything for them in their heart every single decision they've ever made was because they thought it was in their best interest and that's what they were doing they were only doing what they know and unfortunately our society doesn't teach how to parent um, and so most of us don't have a lot of information about how to do it but that doesn't make a parent bad they're just doing the best they can. They're not out to get us or, or wrong. You can only do what you know. And as we know better, we can do better. And, and we have to remember, too, that it really wasn't until the last 50 years that we even started talking about parenting as a society. So how could any parent know how to be a perfect parent? It's just not possible. We're just starting to open the door into what maybe a little bit more improved parenting might look at. So please, as we discuss these difficult topics, if you're a parent, um, please don't hear that we're attacking you. Um, if you've been a parent, maybe the kids are gone. This isn't to ruffle your feathers either or shame you in any way. Uh, but I will say this, this was something I had to learn. We are never to blame for doing something we were completely unaware of. How could we? We did the best we could with what we knew at the time. But as we know better, we can do better. And for those of you who might, maybe your kids are gone, or maybe you have kids right now, and you're going to hear some information you maybe never heard of. What I will say is if you hear about some things now that might make you a better parent and you choose not to investigate that and do something about it, well, that I will hold you accountable for. Because for the first time in your life, you actually had a choice and you chose not to investigate that and maybe repair things with your kids and things like that. And as Alice Miller said, the reason I, I will hold a parent accountable for that is because do you realize something? 
when we hold our parents accountable, you know what we're doing? That little child inside of them that was hurt too, that learned these things that they then did with us, that child deserves a voice. And if we adore and love our parents back, by not having this discussion with them, not opening this door, we're robbing the child inside of them. And at least to me, I, I don't find that loving. I would want to give my parents' child a voice, that child inside of them. So I hope that's that's my goal and, and whenever I approach the subject, if I make a mistake in it, please hold me accountable. Um, I'll do my best in trying to honor that. But I just want you to know that's my heart in it. So with that said, Let's get to Miss Vanessa Jane Patrick. And we already have the discussion. I can call her Vanessa. I'm like, is it Vanessa Jane? What do I do? So Vanessa, how are you tonight? I'm doing amazingly well and super grateful to be having Yeah. Um, I'm super grateful to be having such a in-depth conversation with you today. It's funny actually because you started the conversation with the question, you know, are you afraid to challenge your, your parents in other words, but basically I thought you were asking me that question just straight up and I felt myself go, whoa, whoa, right. We're, going, we're diving straight into the heart of it. Um, so that was funny. Um, and I really appreciated your introduction to what we're going to be discussing today because uh, that's ultimately what came up for me a little bit since um, us meeting and then kind of deciding let's have a conversation about this. And there was a part of me that's like, hang on, I don't want to be a victim here. Like how can I... Um, talk into this topic um, and I also had to address my own fears that came up it was like oh, like how's my mum gonna feel about this right exactly what we're talking about and um, I had to do a little bit of work within myself to just go you know what it's not about that and um, I have to you know take responsibility for my own life and not be over responsible for the people that we care about which has been a massive pattern of mine learned from my dear mum, right? Because our, our parents are our greatest teachers, you know, um, to be too um, responsible for their emotional states rather than owning what your true experience is. But like you're saying, taking 100% responsibility for that, right? Like when you're in the know, you've got to do better, like you said. So yeah, excited for the conversation. I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, you just brought it up. That's what we all go through. You know, as I talk about all the time, there we have two needs as a species. The first is attachment. We will die if we don't physically and emotionally attach to another human being, most, mostly our parents. And the second need we have is our authenticity, the ability to pursue our, our you know, what I call our greatness, our inherent power, what we are meant to express in the world. Well, that guilt you brought up, that's the double bind we're placed in. Wait a minute. Because of our parents' perfect imperfections, we get, you know, they do their best, but we end up having to sacrifice who we really are for attachment to become what they want so they love us so we don't die. But then we get older and it's like, well, wait a minute. If I go pursue me, it, that means I may have to confront some of the things they did that, you know, were less than nurturing or perfectly imperfect, and that might hurt them. Oh my God, guilt! I'll pull back because I don't want to do that, and that's robbing us all of our greatness. And so, I know you face that dilemma, and I would love to just be quiet. And the story you told me of the life you were living, and and that bind you, whether it was I don't know the word if I want to 
put placed on you or you found yourself in with your parents, the dynamic with your parents, how that showed up in your life and then ultimately how you faced it. I think that, that's why I wanted to have you on here because millions of people are scared to death to confront this. They're afraid to lose their parents, but the truth is you actually gain a connection deeper than you ever had. And that's, uh, you're, a, you're a story of hope and wisdom of, look, it's scary as hell to do, but if you do it, this is what comes from it. So if you'd be willing to kind of start from the beginning and some of the stuff you told me about the expectations growing up and how that played out in your life and then and really the story of when you decided to face it. So please go. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, to be able to have this opportunity to speak about, you know, how I've, how my biggest challenges that have been scary to even confront and talk about um, and to be able to share that, that's what I do now, because I don't think there's any better gift than giving people, like you said, that, that ability to be truly authentic and to not sacrifice um, their truth for belongingness, right, or that attachment. To have authentic attachment is key, like you're saying. So basically, um, I'll start the story in a very different way than I've ever started it before and just kind of came to me now, which is um, with one of my coaches previous uh, in about the last, about six months ago, he asked me a question when I was having some emotional challenges. And he asked me to describe my upbringing with my parents in five words, like my childhood upbringing. And what I came up with, and you guys listening to this message might want to do this as well, because it, like, it will give you a lot of insight. Um, but basically, the five words that I came up with were isolated, empty, disconnected, expectations, and perfection. And what was happening for me at this point when my coach was asking me to describe um, my upbringing in those five words was I was having trouble in an intimate relationship of mine. And I, was, I just had no idea what was going totally wrong at this point. And I was quite confused. And so what those five words represent is whatever you come up with, whatever those five words are for you that describe your upbringing or your childhood, how you felt as a little kid, Ultimately, that's how what you expect your intimate relationships to be like, right? So I was like, okay, like, let's look at this. And it was a new level of growth. But let me reflect why I felt like that was not because my parents were bad human beings at all. In fact, I'm incredibly grateful for them and have recently come to a whole new level of gratitude. But I'm fast forwarding, we'll go right back to where it all started and basically for me, you know, it was growing up in a highly academic family where my brother, I mean, my dad was, um, you know, a structural engineer. He was a professor of engineering. He ran his own business um, and was the ducks of the school, you know, all that sort of stuff. And my mum being, you know, always talking about how intelligent your dad is and you've got your father's intelligence and you could do anything in the world. So it sounds pretty great, you know, but um, growing up when I was in primary school, every morning when my mum dropped me off at, at school, she'd say, Vanessa, you've got your father's intelligence. You can be anything, you know, like what do you want to be when you grow up, right? And I remember, I don't remember what my answers were normally, but like I remember this one time I felt really clear about who I wanted to be when I grew up. 
And one morning she turned around, she said, you know, she was so excited. And she said, who do you want? What do you want to be when you grow up? Right. What do you want to be? Not who. Um, but basically I answered, I said, I want to be a policewoman, right? Because my best friend's dad was a policeman and I just thought he was the coolest thing ever. And so, and I remember being so excited by that. I could help people, you know, and um, I remember her face like went from a smile to just like, she turned back around, she was quite worried. And she said, a policewoman, like that's so dangerous. Why would you want to be a policewoman when you could be a doctor or a lawyer or, or you know, all these sorts of things. And I remember in that moment, upon reflection, really, I didn't obviously have the emotional intelligence to understand this at the time, um, but that was kind of a pivotal moment in my life where it was kind of this bittersweetness. It was like, you can do anything, um, you can do anything in this world, but you have to do what we think is best for you, right? And so, um, you know, I was probably, um, you know, I, I, I'd say I was probably about seven, years old when that happened and um and then basically fast forward through my life it was just lived as the absolute chameleon I never knew what I wanted to do with my life um I never had that that drive like other kids I saw they were so phenomenal at this one thing over here they were great musicians or they were great at sport or they were you know phenomenal at English or whatever like I was just kind of the same across the board like I could, I could do it all, but I wasn't like, none of it was just like, oh, like that's the thing for me. And, um, and basically went through my life where, um, you know, I've had my brother pick my degree for me, where I just, I, I inkling, my inkling, my heart said, I want to be a psychologist, um, right? That's because I love learning about why people do what they do. And I had that conversation and that was quite shut down like I oh, know there's no money in psychology and you're gonna have to deal with everybody's problems like you know and so I put that to the side and and said you know what should I do to one of my brothers and he's like you should do a business degree I'm like okay so I, I just you know I applied for universities and got into a business degree and that was just I couldn't escape it any like if I tried harder, I couldn't have escaped it anymore. I was out partying six nights a week. The only reason why I wouldn't party seven nights a week was because there was nothing open on a Wednesday, you know, and um, and that was that was ultimately my life, just a total escapism. Um, and if I wasn't out partying, um, which I could only do when um, my best friend at the time came and moved in with me and we were two kind of 19 year old girls living in this big house all by ourselves interstate from our families and we did that party lifestyle um but when I was really trying to do uni it was just I couldn't even sit there because it was so not who I was I wasn't doing anything that was in alignment with who I was because I didn't actually know who I was and I thought partying was just the most fun thing in the world but upon reflection and like that sort of lifestyle like would horrify me to be a total part of now because it's such an escapism and disconnection from myself it was a way of running away from that inner voice that was telling me like what the hell are you doing who are you whose life are you living all that stuff I just couldn't handle thinking about so I got distracted in meeting new people and going out partying and you know doing all that sort of stuff that comes with it that's so destructive 
And um, we were just having a joke before um, we got we went live um, today, and uh, uh, and we were joking about you know um, being up early, like going home when the sun's coming up, and then there's cyclists, like they're just starting their day in this really healthy way. So my next addiction in my life kind of transferred into health and fitness. And then, you know, that was my new escapism from a life that I was trying to study for that I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I went into, um, I, I deferred from uni um, and I got a job which really satisfied my partying requirements because I was earning a lot of money at 19 and, uh, you know, just funding all my new dresses for every night that I was out and, you know, you know, just the whole night out, you know, and, and so um, it wasn't until the global financial crisis hit and my kind of comfy, cushy life um, working in mortgages um, kind of got drawn to a halt and I had to make a decision. Do I um, kind of go the corporate realm, which I could see was really inauthentic? Like I didn't like how you had to move up the ranks. I just, I didn't like the environment. Um, and the only other option for me at that time, because I knew nothing about personal development or mindset or any of that stuff, it was just, okay, I'll go get another uni degree. And so still not knowing what the hell I wanted to do with my life, who the hell I was, um, I just decided, well, if I do law, that will open up the most doors. And subconsciously, that'll get me the most acceptance and approval from um, not only my parents, but it was really big for me and my grandparents. Like I really wanted to prove myself to them as well. Um, and because they were very academic, um, you know, very scientific, all that sort of stuff. And, um, and I really admired them as well. And so went and studied that. And it, again, you know, falling into the same traps of, um, you know, just distraction and destruction um, mainly around just being hype, like Nazi-like with my um, health and fitness, like being so distracted by measuring every single calorie that was going in and feeling guilty if I ate anything bad and just such a Nazi around this realm, which I've since realized was just such a great distraction from a life that I didn't want to live. Um, really phenomenal at deceiving myself, really, really, you know, doing getting gold medals in the in the realm of self-deception um you know but basically um it wasn't until I had about a year and a half left on my law degree and every day that was going past with that um you know I kind of felt like this tug of war because I felt like kind of accomplished because I was um succeeding in those classes and then on the other side I was feeling um yeah, just like every day that was ticking by, I was starting to see what a future would be like as a lawyer. And it didn't, it didn't feel good to me. Like it didn't feel, I didn't feel like it suited my, my nature. You know, I, I hate, it, it felt like I was separating and dividing rather than connecting and understanding. And that's what, you know, that's what I do these days. But, um, but basically, um, even at that point when I was studying law, I remember I came top of my class in mediation and it was the first time that mediation had been brought in, a, at least in an Australian university um, to the first couple of years of that course. Usually they leave it till the fifth year and then people are like, whoa, this is the total opposite mindset and they fail it. So they decided to bring it forward. 
And I really excelled in that because that's what I love to do is help people understand themselves, each other, and bring about connection. And I remember getting this really great um, a grade and every all my uh, fellow students wanting to study with me and go, how did you know how to get it back to my car? And I said, mom, like, I, I think I want to do mediation. Like, I love it. Like, this is, this feels so good. And again, like she hit me with this mediation, but aren't you going to be a lawyer? What's mediation? No, you can be a lawyer, Vanessa. What are you settling for that for? Right. And again, totally defeated, like this real sense of excitement just smashed. And not because my mom's a bad woman, just because I was so reliant on an external permission to follow what was true for myself, right? And so that kind of got squashed. And, um, you know, then what happened for me was I'm in this state of distracting myself with health and fitness and just pushing through and not really not wanting to address the fact of what my life and my future was going to look like. Um, at the time I met my um, ex, one of my ex partners and, uh, uh, and he introduced me to the whole realm of personal development. So when I met him, he said, you know, I've got this um, ticket to um, this spare ticket that I, I've, I bought a long time ago for when I met a partner, I wanted to take her with me to this Tony Robbins event. And um, will you come with me? And I, I'm like, he, she, he said, check this guy out online and tell me if you'll come with me. And I'm like, okay. I checked him out. I Googled Tony Robbins and I was like, what the hell is this? Like this guy's like a cult leader or something. He's crazy. Um, this is extreme. And then I was like, but I have this belief that I'll try anything once, right? So I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever it sounds interesting you know let's do it and um i am absolutely forever grateful um that he introduced me to tony robbins and to that work because that was the first time ever i sat with questions about why whose life are you living and what choices are you making and why are you doing that and what do you want to do and who are you right and it had never happened for me before. And, you know, I went through my first Unleash the Power Within event. Um, so this was back in April 2013. And then um, I signed up at the end of that. I signed up for the whole Mastery University. I was totally hooked and totally sold. And, you know, ha there was something in it. I liked all the hugs you get as well. Like there was, it was a good environment to be in. And, um, and basically fast forward to August that year, I was at my second Tony Robbins event and um, that was Date With Destiny. And between April and August, I had a horrific time. It was like I'd taken the lid off that little voice within and it was getting me to the point where I couldn't drown it down anymore to the point where physically I was incapacitated. Like I was on the floor. I couldn't move. I was sick. Um, you know, all sorts of physiological things were happening for me. Um, the more I opened my psychological um, kind of um, understanding. And by the time I got to um, Date With Destiny, I shared this story with Kenny a few days ago, but um, it was probably the most um, pivotal moment of my life when I was at this Tony Robbins event and I'm sitting in a room full of 2,000 people 
And basically I was having this complete inner battle, you know, and this one part of me going, you know, we were answering these questions about why we do what we do, but from the perspective of whose love did you crave the most when you were a kid? And you might, anybody listening to this, you might want to ask yourself that question, right? Because um, basically, uh, you know, most people, it tends to be that we crave the love of the father because it's usually as a general rule, harder to get than the motherly, unconditional rose colored glasses love. You know, fatherly love is a bit more live to your potential and I'm going to challenge you to do that. And I believe in you, right? Um, Motherly love is kind of, you can do no wrong, like whatever you do or not do like your love loved right and so we need both in order to be healthy rounded out individuals we need the support and the challenge simultaneously and so basically for me um it was definitely my dad my mum's love comes all day long every day it's it wasn't craved um but for my dad you know he was a workaholic and um you know that it was just a disconnection like an emotionally unavailable connection and um and so of course why you want to know the answer to that question and what I was addressing at that point in my life was you decided to be a certain way based on who you thought you needed to be to get that love and acceptance and approval from the person that you most craved the love of. And if you don't have parents, it might be a guardian, it might be a mentor, it might be somebody that you just really admired, might be a grandparent or an uncle or whoever. Um, But for me, it was my dad. And I realized that that's why I was choosing to become a lawyer, why I was choosing to gather another degree and focus on um, academia and uh, and my intelligence, right? And so um, basically this inner voice was saying, like, you're not a lawyer. What the hell are you doing? Like, you need to get off this path. And then this other part of me saying, whoa, 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 you're too old to make a change you got to finish what you started. You know, maybe off in the future when you've been a successful lawyer and you've got the money and everything's set up, maybe then you can entertain the idea of what you'd actually really like to do with your life. And this back and forth going on and on. And right in that moment, no lie, across the room of these 2,000 people, this woman stood up and she was in tears of gratitude. And just had this massive breakthrough. And Tony Robbins gave her the mic. He said, what's going on? What's just happened for you? And she said, oh, my gosh, Tony, like all my life I've been a successful lawyer, but I've had three divorces and none of my children talk to me. But I've just realized right now that I became a lawyer because I thought that's who I needed to be to get the love and approval from my father. And now at 65 years old, I feel so young and so grateful that I've got the entire rest of my life and my existence to discover what authentically inspires me. And it was in that moment, and I'm battling, you're too old to make a change. And I'm 24, 24, just turned 25. You know, it was just like, this woman's got 40 years on me and she's overwhelmed with gratitude for how young she is to finally live a life true to herself. And I'm, and that was just um, in that moment, completely obliterated um, that fear. And also throughout that, um, somebody gave me a book at that time as well. 
which was um, by an Australian author and palliative care nurse by the name of Bronnie Ware. And she wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And the number one regret of the dying, right? So she interviewed everybody on their deathbed and correlated all the data, every all those regrets that people were saying, came up with five distinct ones that were just across the board. But that number one regret of the dying, and anybody who follows my stuff is so sick of hearing me say this, but that's okay, um, you know, repetition, um, which, which is I wish I had have had the courage to live a life true to myself rather than one I felt was expected of me. And so it just so happened at that time that the day after this event and me making this realization, even though I didn't know what the exact pathway forward was, I thought maybe health, fitness, online stuff, and that's what, what my partner at the time was doing. Um, I thought that could be an avenue, um, but I just knew for certain that I was on the wrong path. And in order to free up the energy to decipher what it is that I wanted to do I had to I had to get off that it was costing me my soul and um it just so happened that the day after this event was the final day to let my university know as to whether I was going to come back or not so I gave them that call I did put off the call I had to have with my parents for about about wow. two days after this event and they were trying to contact me like where are you and um and then I did have the conversation and you know what? Every single one of my worst nightmares happened with that, with my choice. I feel like at the time I was, my family was paying me a full-time wage to go to university, a car, my phone bills paid, every bill taken care of, even an allowance on top of that, right? So it looked like I had it made. Um, and so that was all completely cut off. My parents said to me everything that like my previous self before this event would never have been able to think I could handle, um, which is you're a failure. You have to finish what you started. Wonder where I got that one from. Um, you know, uh, you know, just all those criticisms like, have you been lying to us? You know, um, all these sort of hurts that were coming up and just no understanding whatsoever. My mum, we joke about this, but she even deleted me off Facebook book and cut me out of her phone and everything for a few months um you know but I was actually able to handle this and the reason why I could handle it was because I'd never had the level of certainty I had in that moment to actually bring up to the surface and really give myself permission to stop doing the things that weren't in alignment with who I was and actually give myself the freedom to discover what, what the hell I wanted to do with my life not living anybody else's. And so um, I also at that time, what allowed me to handle their criticisms and the challenge of that time uh, and being cut off and, you know, having to be self-sufficient for the first time in my life, which was actually a, a very valuable thing for me to have occur. Um, basically, I realised that my parents just want me to be happy. It's just that their model of the world is in order to be happy, you have to be a successful lawyer or doctor or engineer, you know, and I, I'm living my own life. And if they, if I know they just want me to be happy, then I'm absolutely doing what they want, right? They might not know it right now, but if that, if I can show them what a truly happy, authentically happy daughter looks like, then I know they'll come around. 
and it has taken a lot of reassurance over over my life and over this you know past seven years um probably what helped my dad mostly and my mum I'd say is just seeing that I can make my own money you know because I think that was a real concern of theirs um but you know I'm happy to report now it's it's been challenging but um you know now my parents are my greatest supporters like my mom even works in my business for me you know so i'm very grateful for that and and also i mentioned um you know the gratitude that i've gotten to at a higher level more recently was just deep diving into maslow's hierarchy of needs you know it's foundational to all this psychology and and whatnot and the reason why it stood the test of the t of time is because there's so much truth to it and basically, you know, you need to have your security, your finances, your safety, all that stuff taken care of, which I used to be so repelled by from my parents. I'm like, what are you worrying so much about that? It's about inspiration now, right? And um, my new level of gratitude was if they didn't have that focus in building that foundation for me to launch off in my life, maybe I wouldn't, maybe I'd just be struggling with that stuff. And I wouldn't be where I am today, where I'm chasing and following my passions, and my inspirations at the level that I am, because I don't need, I've taken care of all that foundational stuff because of their help and everything that they've done for me in my life. You know, so there's always these benefits and, and whatnot, but I hope that um, <clears throat> that's a value, just sharing um, that piece of my journey with everybody and they can potentially see themselves and maybe ask themselves those questions um, because the biggest thing that we tend to do in our lives, why that number one regret of the dying exists is because I kind of like to think about it as prostituting ourselves. And that's a really harsh, uncomfortable word, but I think that's what wakes us up. You know, if you're not living your life, what are you selling out for? Right? Like, you know, like I told you, I had all the finances and all that stuff coming, um, you know, being taken care of and I could belong, but if you up level your connection and understanding with yourself, it sets a new standard for the depth of connection you require in all other relationships. If you're totally disconnected from yourself, like I was, you'll settle for connections in your life that are disconnected from your authenticity and you just do whatever you've got to do to belong. So that's another lesson and something to focus on and, uh, and realizing whose life you're living. You know, when we build that awareness, we set ourselves up for um, that opening to transform and direct the own, our own course of our lives. So, yeah, hope that was a value. Yeah, no. And you touched on so many different things. Um, it, it goes to kind of my intro. Um, parents have kids so they can have a mini me. You never hear a parent say, Oh my God, I can't wait to have a kid so I can create an emotional environment where they can become whatever they want, whether that's a stripper or a banker. Oh my God. No, it's, they're going to be this and I'm going to, if it's a man, I'm going to hunt and fish and, and be an engineer. If it's a woman, we're going to buy dresses. Unfortunately, the parenting model we've all been raised under and, and all of our parents was, no, they're there for me and they owe me. Well, no, you brought me into the world. I don't know. You squat. You decided to do this thing. And it's your job to create an environment for me to become what I want, not to live out the dreams that you never pursued and you're beating yourself up for and then transferring down to me and expecting me to carry the weight for you. 
And then the problem, like you said, is, I mean, there's so many things you touched on, you know, it's a family dynamic, you know, I mean, we become our childhood. And like you said, the lawyer was, I got to get grandparents. Well, how did your dad learn it? You know, it, it, it gets passed down. Look, he, how would he know any better? He had to live up to an expectation. So, he, hey, now I'm empowered. Now I'm going to be over power over you. Damn it. You're going to do what I say. It's my turn. You know, we never, for a society, we've never healed that. And you're breaking that bond. And going, well, no, because as you described, I, I didn't get the fifth feeling, but you said isolated, empty, perfectionist, and disconnected. And I was going to ask you, but you went on to say it. Well, tell me, what's been the common theme in all of your relationships with men? Those five feelings. We just repeat the trauma against ourselves. That's, you know, that's the hallmark. I don't want to turn this into the cycle I discovered, and but that's what we do. And so now without, you know, you're, I mean, you're so right. When you choose to face yourself, you realize, my God, this man wasn't the problem. I was reliving the trauma from my childhood where I had these five expectations. So I picked a man where I'd never get my needs met because I can't break that trauma bond with mom and dad. I have to be what they want. So I'm only attracted to men where I'm going to feel just as neglected. And then we want to blame men or men will blame women. Well, no, it's us. They're never the problem. The next thing you talked about was then illness. And as you started to heal yourself, I'm sure with your clients, you see the same thing. It's very common when we start facing ourselves that all of a sudden we get sick or all these things. Well, that's the trauma releasing itself. That's a gift. Like that's a sign of recovery. Because you held, we hold trauma in our body. So I love that you touched on that. And then the aspect of being the golden child for your mother and the, the suffocation of that. Of You're so smart, you can be and do anything you want. Well, that also would drive us to pick men who are emotionally unavailable because that's too much love and attention. And you're, you're right. It used to be that dynamic switching, but men were very detached emotionally. Women were overattached. And so that smother love makes us a bit like, oh, okay. Like that's too much attention, you know? Like from, you know, when you start dating as you get older, it's like, whoa, 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 don't love me that much. I, I Mom needed me to love her that much. Like you back off. And, and those things play out in our relationships as well. And again, it's not to disparage your parents. They obviously adore you. But we haven't talked about this as a society of how damaging those things are to a child. And so ultimately... My God, I mean, the courage at 24, like I, I work with a lot of people and, and I will say this, your parents are correct. The only person under the age of 25 that would do what you did, they are off the charts brilliant. It is incredibly rare. Anyone under 25 to face any of that level of trauma, you don't see that. It's normally mid mid thirties to mid forties is what our brain is the way our brain degrades. So it, and that's part of why I wanted to bring you on because it's incredibly rare what you've done. And I know there are people twice your age scared to death to do it. And, and you said, what comes of it? Tell the audience more about how, how much healthier, and more connected the relationship is now 
that you've dropped the trauma bond and the responsibility and the guilt of, oh, I can only be what mom and dad and the family want, but now, no, actually, I'm going to be me, and, and it's better, because that's their biggest fear, is I'm going to lose whatever connection I had, and your proof that it's not true. So please, can you share more about that so they have hope? Absolutely. And um, yeah, I love your points um, there as well. And thank you for those reflections. Very appreciated. So yeah, that's a big journey. And one that I was a bit unconscious to how well the transition had gone until um, a couple of years, about two, three years ago, um, I was... Um, I was down at my one of my family's homes and my brother, my eldest brother came to visit and spend some time. And so it was the four of us, my parents and my older brother and myself. And I couldn't get over how triggered he was. Like he just wanted to escape all the time. And he was like really anxious and all. And I was like, oh, like he was so walking on eggshells and all this stuff. And I was like, well, like, let's go to the go to the gym or something, right? I actually took him and um, we did a, a chin-up challenge together. It was fun. Like he needed to like exert this energy. And I got talking to him and he was telling me all this stuff like, oh, when dad does this or, and I'm like, whoa, like I so see myself in my brother and I hadn't realized how much I'd just gotten rid of that in my life because I literally used to feel like I had to walk on eggshells and I was constantly nervous in my own home and I didn't realize I'd made the transition out of that until I saw my brother operate exactly like I used to and basically um you know I used to always want to solve their problems as well you know like if I heard them have an, an argument or something I'd rush in and I'd like you know I want to protect and just go hey let's talk about this level-headedly or whatever but um, I'd be very nervous and stressed about it. I was really trying to create harmony so I could feel okay within myself, right? And um, there was a lot of that. And I wouldn't ever share um, anything personal. Like if I had a challenge in my life, they'd never know about it. And I was, I became an incredibly private person. Um, even my partners, you know, you just saw my list of five words, right? Perfection and living to expectation. I, I had to be on the pedestal. Yeah, go for it. Can I interrupt on that? How is that for you now? Because with the environment you grew up in, being vulnerable would scare the living hell out of you. And and really, and, and I mean, sexually, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, all levels of it, it'd be like, Oh, you know, that, I, I mean, I just know that what those dynamics breed with intimacy struggles and how, if you're willing, you know, if it's okay, are you willing to go down that road and talk? Because that's what, because the reason I bring it up is this is a common problem of women nowadays, the female intimacy, intellectual, emotional, sexual, all of it, the dynamics have shifted so much. And so if you're willing to be vulnerable there, it would let a lot of women know, oh, my God, that's me, too. I, I want you to protect yourself if yeah. that's not comfortable for you. No, you know what? I really appreciate this open dialogue. I think there's not enough of it in the world. So, yeah, and I know that what helps people is authenticity, you know? So you've got to be real and you've got to be willing to face your stuff, particularly if you're in this industry and you, you build relationships this way, right? You're being a role model. So, Absolutely. <clears throat> that dynamic affected every single one of my relationships. And so 
what happened for me, I've always been in long-term relationship. This is really the first time I've been out of long-term relationship in my life. And um, I've had wow. like a couple of little spaces, but like it's always been long-term, like multiple year relationships. And yeah, absolutely. And each one of those, um, I've allowed the other person to determine the level of depth and vulnerability that can take place. And that's, you know, that's on emotional level, sexual level, every every way, right? And deep down, because of, you know, I love, um, I'm, I say this quote all the time as well, but um, Dr. John D. Martini says that, and if you don't know his work, guys, go check him out. Um, that basically he says um, your perceived voids create your values. So I had, like you said, such a void in my childhood of this vulnerability. In fact, I was taught vulnerability is an absolute weakness and will get you if you like, if you're too soft. Um, there's lots of gifts that that gave me, right? Because I, I've just, you know, developed my strength in dealing with challenging people. Um, but basically, um, that was like, okay, shut down your emotions. Um, don't go there. You're going to get, and I actually saw my older brother like have a lot of conflict in his relationship with my dad because he was trying to do things differently. And so another reason to kind of shut down on my emotions. Um, so that void in my childhood created this, uh, my absolute deepest value in my heart of hearts is to, to be all of who I am and in to encourage other people to be all of who they are and to connect at that level of depth. Um, you know, my eyes well up just thinking about that and, and how inspired I am because it was such a void and it's become such a value for me. Um, but what I did in intimate relationship was because I allowed the other person to determine the course of, of the relationship and the level of vulnerability and depth, it's the exact reason why every single one of my intimate relationships I have ended for the exact same reason, which is I didn't feel as though I could be all of who I was with them. You know, if there wasn't the level of depth sexually that I wanted, I just, you know, kind of went along with that and until it got to the point where it was just like, no, there's not enough depth here. There wasn't enough depth emotionally. Um, in fact, you kind of touched on it. I've tended to attract, and in particular, my last partner, incredible neediness, um, which had been kind of a safe zone to be needed so you're not rejected. But simultaneously, like you can't be vulnerable and you can't be all of who you are if somebody's relying on you to be the strong one all the time or you know, that sort of thing as well. So basically um, it's been a massive struggle, but I've had the realizations still probably need a little bit more practice, you know, to get it right. Um, but, at, you know, I've been through in particular, the last relationship I've just been in has given me so many realizations and, and um, awareness around my own patterns taken from parents and, um, yeah. and unlock those emotions. Yeah. Now, I want to go, do you have a skill set or a, a formula for how you find your blind spots? You know, because the bottom line is denial is the single greatest killer on the planet. 
we're all in yep. massive denial. Because you had to look at look at your childhood. You had to deny the truth of what was going on. We all do. And I know yep. parents and everyone's like, no, I'm not in denial. Well, if you don't think you're in denial, you just proved you're in denial. We're all <laughs> in massive denial. And yep. what I have found is if you want if you want peace, go become an expert in how you're in denial. So I'm curious. Are there things you use for yourself or your clients or because people could really, I mean, there are things I teach, but you may have ideas, you know, my audience has never heard of. And so if you're willing to share that, I think that would be a great gift for everybody. Awesome question. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think we had the conversation, right? Like you don't get into an industry like this because you're not damaged, right? Like you don't have some stuff that you need to become an expert on because you want to break through, like the pain is tough. And um, and so this is probably the main reason why I am so passionate about personality psychology. And the reason is um, I'm not attempting to put people in boxes. I'm not attempting to, um, you know, say, oh, this is who you are and you can never be like this. The way that I use personality psychology is, you know, looking at the patterns because the, this whole realm of personal development is so one size fits all, but we're not. We're all wired a little bit differently, you know, based on our traumatic experiences as ch as children. And if you're like me and you get into the sense of denial, like I didn't have a traumatic childhood, right? It's all subjective. You can't compare your experience to this person who was sexually abused or whatever that you think is just a million times worse than what you experienced. It's very subjective. So don't discount um, what's happened for you as a child. Um, you know, you could look at my life and go, what? Her mom told her she was so intelligent she could do anything. What trauma is that, right? And that's what I used to do. Absolutely horrific. That's what people, that's mm -hmm. what's sad. If you know the science behind it? it I don't. It, it, there's no yeah. difference between being slapped and beaten. It's a horrific emotional trauma. To have that responsibility to be a four, six, eight, ten-year-old child, and to feel the weight of responsibility of I am the child that's going to make you great. My God, that's like a hit across the face. Because wait a minute, I thought your job was to be there for me, but now I'm carrying the mantle for you. And so you're right. People minimize it, and and they try and grade trauma. It's all the same. It's like you said, your worst. Yeah feels just as bad as their worst. There's no, you know, well, mine was bad. Cause that's how people deny. They go, well, mine wasn't like that. So it's not a big deal. Well, that allows them not to face it. And that's mm. what's killing. So please go ahead. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I, I want to dive. You've excited me to dive deep into that. Um, so yeah. So with personality psychology, what it basically does is um, there's two main pro, um, frameworks that I personally use. Um, the one that's the easiest to access point is um, what I call, it's based on um, the Myers-Briggs type indicator, but don't get caught up in just the four-letter code because um, there's a brilliant neuroscientist by the name of Dario Nardi who brought the science to back these cognitive functions that we each use. And basically, um, each of us are wired a bit differently. We have strengths and weaknesses cognitively that, uh, you know, impact how we um, are affected emotionally, psychologically, all the rest of it. And so 
basically what that system does is help you to discover your strengths and your weaknesses and where you go defensively and why things impact you in the way that they do and where you go um, uniquely for you when you get stressed or overwhelmed or just lose yourself. And it just gives you this um, picture of um, kind of like going, here's why your patterns play out, right? And, you, and I cannot stop um, you know, di diving deep into this. I've, I live my entire life, every waking moment, diving deeper and deeper into how's this showing up for me or what's their personality type and how are they affected by this and what's the best way to really connect with this person or what could be really traumatic for that person. You know, um, it gives you this framework to um, ultimately also discover what inspires you the most, like how you're wired and how you can utilise that to tap into what your greatness right um so it's a really great framework for people to be introduced to um and then the second one that i use which is definitely not for the faint hard hearted because it goes really deep and it's very confronting about your deepest fears and insecurities and the way you show up yeah love it love it <laughs> you're like me well, you know, I mean, we, 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 for the freaking answer like look all my addictions and the, the stuff i put myself through like i'm done playing around like let's get there you know now totally. when you're beginning the process you don't want that but like you i don't know if you live the life i've lived it's like look this bring me the pain i thought i'm like that's where the answer yeah. is so well anyway. well that's funny because um the the model is called the enneagram you guys can go check it out um but basically um, I'm a type three. I'll use, I'll give an example. So I'm a type three. And this is exactly why I need to look at myself very, like diligently because the type three, one of their biggest challenges is self-deception. We are so good at picking up on what other people value, what, what they want and molding ourselves to that, shape-shifting to that, becoming that that we totally lose ourselves in the game of becoming the chameleon. You know, I used to be friends with everybody. I'd be this total different person with this group of friends. And then this group of friends would be this absolute total different per person. And then over here with my parents and then over here with whoever, you know, multiple personalities all in one, right? Um, being that chameleon, which can be a strength, but it simultaneously your greatest Achilles heel. And it's not until... I really dove into the Enneagram that I actually had to face this stuff. In fact, um, just to give you guys, I know a lot of people haven't heard of the Enneagram, uh, really just simply there's nine different types. In fact, there's 27, but we won't go down that rabbit hole right now. Just keep it at the nine. And each of them has like a vice thing that tri trips them up the most. Um, and each of them has a virtue to move toward. But Basically, it identifies the patterns, the psychological patterns that you get caught up in based on who you were, um, how you were brought up. So for me, as the three, I'm the achiever. So, you know, I grew up being praised and being given connection for my work, like my intelligence, like what I create. And, um, you know, and so that's how I've gotten love and shape-shifting to be whatever's the highest achiever in whatever, like in partnership. Who's the best partner I can be? Who's the best friend I can be? All of this stuff just shaping to what my perception of the best is. So much so that when I came across the Enneagram, 
I considered and would always type out on any online test you gave me as a type seven, which is the enthusiast, because I perceived that to be the best type subconsciously, right? So I'd even deceive myself into thinking I was a totally different type, um, you know, because, and that's how, that's how much, um, you know, for me as a three, and we all have, like, depending on your type, you're going to have a different, some different tendencies that are very confronting because they're your whole identity and your strategy to get love. And if we don't have love, we think we're going to die. Like you mentioned at the start, if we don't have that attachment to another human being, right? It's super important. Um, but yeah, to be able to look at that stuff, um, this is for me, this is why I go out there and I study. I'm always studying. I'm usually traveling because I love traveling and going to different events and stuff. But, you know, we're in lockdown now. Um, but basically I go and learn all these different frameworks of human behavior, human potential, human fulfillment, and simplify and systemize by using myself as the human guinea pig of personal development, um, you know, to, to see what works for me and then to help um, give that to others, like my clients and whoever's working with me. So um, I've been studying this stuff um, very intensely and um, I haven't found anything um, more valuable for myself or the clients that I've been working with than this stuff. Um, I think that there's an entry level. Um, some people, you know, there are things in personal development that are a lot more um, universal um, and that's absolutely valuable. And then there's something that's very unique to you and that's really important to have that kind of leverage point to um, see how you're different and you struggle with different things, even though you're a human being, but basically you've got a strategy and that's really what personality is all about. So yeah, I hope that um, gave you uh, some information. Yeah. I'm going to kind of, as we wrap up here, I'm going to kind of sort of rapid fire questions so people can get to know you a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um what would you say is your greatest, single greatest gift? What would you just, what do you just love about yourself? I love um, seeing the good in others and alerting them to that. Like that like makes me get very emotional thinking about actually, because um, yeah, it's something that I, again, you know, perceive voids to values, being able to, to see the authentic nature of somebody and draw that out and shine light on that. Yeah. Okay. That was a bit what's of a rapid fire. <laughs> what's your favorite food? Oh, oh, favorite food. Oh, like variety. I love variety. Um, I'd, I'd say Middle Eastern. I love the food in Dubai, which just blew me away. Okay. Your favorite color? Purple. Your biggest dream, one dream. What is it? Mm. Oh, it sounds so idealistic, but my biggest dream is a world in which people own who they are authentically, tap into their gifts and, and go about dedicating their lives to developing them and sharing them. I'm trying to be short here. Awesome. <laughs> well, okay. if, if, I mean, there are lots of things people struggle with, but if you could only pick one tip, for somebody listening right now, based on your skill set and what you think is important, what would you share with somebody right now? What you know, somebody listening to this that needs help, what would you say to them? 
that your pathway towards freedom and ending your own suffering is to identify and build awareness around who you are. And that means the whole spectrum of who you are, not just the great, lovable, easy, easy to love, love bits, you know, but those darker parts of who you are. Because anything that we suppress um, negatively ends up suppressing our positive side as well. So that's what depression is. It's just you're so, you're just dead. You just suppressed both sides. So, yeah. Beautifully said. Tell everyone, you know, now tell us where everyone can reach you, you know, your programs, all that stuff, you know, fill everyone in on all the different things you do, and then we'll wrap up after that. Mm, I love that. And uh, yeah, so every, I do most of my stuff just on my personal Facebook page. So Vanessa Jane Patrick, um, you can look up my business page as well. Um, but I do my daily free content, Facebook lives, um, interviews. I'll be interviewing Kenny in a few weeks. So you'll have to check out that one as well. Um, and also, so on my website, you can um, go to vanessajanepatrick.com. Um, at the top, there's a free three-part video series which introduces you to the genius system. So this personality way of looking at our strengths. Um, and I did just want to make an offer just to all of Kenny's audience here or anybody listening who's not a part of the Limitless Potential Academy that I run where we get monthly masterclasses and live um, group Zoom calls with people across the globe all around Europe, the UK, US and Australia. Um, so I wanted to offer um, to waive the setup fee, the joining fee. Um, if you want to test that out and come and join us there, um, I wanted to offer that. So if you guys want to join and you want to give it a try, um, you can reach out to me and um, and I'll set you up. Yeah. Is that it? Anything else? Um, that's it, really. I mean, come and check out what I've got to offer. But, um, you know, I've got some great um, on my podcast, The Limitless Potential Show. I've got some amazing human beings coming up. Um, Kenny is one of them. Can't wait to to swap roles a little bit and dive into wealth comment. See that that's she forgot. I paid her a lot of money. That's why it's like, hey, is there anything else you want to say? Come on, I paid you for this. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So um, yeah, just you know, talking into all things about because um, I'm fascinated with not only um, highlighting people's strengths and their wisdom and their expertise, but also how the hell they got there, right? Like um, you guys have heard my story now, right? Like, so like how, how do you get to be a person who's living authentically inspired by what, pa what you're passionate about, which is an answer I did definitely did, would have liked to have known a lot earlier, right? So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Vanessa. I really appreciate your vulnerability um, and how far you've come. And it, it's not easy. And you just said, um, would have liked to get there sooner. Um, I, I can appreciate that. Um, but my experience is we get there when we're supposed to, not a minute too soon or a minute too late. And um, I'm just very thankful of the impact you're having on people because you have a story I don't have. It's, I mean, there's similarities, but you'll reach people I could never reach, no matter what I talk about. And I'm very thankful that you're out there reaching people. You have tremendous power and ability to help others. And thank you for choosing to share it with everybody. So thanks for coming on. Um, time to wrap up the show. As I always say, remember, 
whenever we judge, blame, criticize anyone or anything, we're just seeing a part of ourselves that we haven't addressed yet. Something we ultimately haven't forgiven ourselves. But don't ever forget, the opposite is true also. When you see greatness in somebody, all you're ever seeing is yourself. Now, if you can't accept that, if you can't see that, if that's hard for you to let in, well, that's what the greatness movement is about. That we've lost touch with that. And we all have that within us. So if you're looking for help with that, please reach out, kw at kennyweiss.net. We'll get you to a place where you can accept how absolutely wonderful and great we all are. All right. Once again, thank you, Vanessa, for tuning in. I appreciate it. Uh, I will talk to you on Messenger after this, but uh, it's time for me to say good night to everyone. And again, maybe it's good morning in Australia. I know I have tons of followers out there, and I always get the time mixed up, but thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Well, um, Kenny, I just wanted to acknowledge you for the human being that you are. Thank you so much for the work that you do. I feel it. You know, we've only just recently connected, but I can tell that what you do comes with such heart and wisdom and experience in those dark places that most are unwilling to go. So thank you so much for the heart that you bring and the work that you do and, um, and also giving me this opportunity to um, potentially help and support some others. And I really look forward to uh, having you on the Limitless Potential show coming up soon. Sounds wonderful. Have a great night. Take care.